Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message with our lead pastor, Zach Maddox. If you're new to Connection Point Church, I'm Pastor Zach. Shelly and I serve as lead pastors here, so glad you joined us today. As uh, we head back into a series we'd actually started in February and hit the pause button on in March uh, because we needed to get in some, into some other content with everything that was going on in the world. So we're going to return to that today. And in March, uh, along with uh, about 20 of us, went to Israel. And I'm going to show you a picture of that great group. Some of those are here today. Fun times, yep. It's great to be there. And hey, I was talking, if you're here from that trip, we're still going to gather and like close things up. Like, I was, like we got back, like we barely made it and everything like shut down. It was like the world was different when we returned and not because we returned. It just was, you know, but now we need to, yeah, so we're going to get back together and close things up. But great trip, got to see lots of amazing things. And, and I share this picture with you today because in the passage we're going to cover today as we get back to Acts, the church on the move, the, the stairs that we're standing on on the south steps where our group is at is actually a part of the passage that we're going to be in today. Um, that's, of course, a cool thing to go and travel and to see that these places that we read about, they're real. They're still there today, many of those, and, and we can go and be a part of those. So what we're reading is God's Word, and we get to see the geography of where some of those things occur. So we're going to continue in Acts with the church on the move with a message on a mighty work, because God comes and does mighty works. That's what he promises to do, and he wants to do that in your life this morning. He wants to do that in this community. He wants to do that in this nation. He wants to do it in the world. And we are going to read this morning of how he does that work. So if you have your Bibles, hey, I hope you do because there's not one underneath the chair in front of you. <laughs> Bring your Bibles to church on Sunday. I encourage you to do it on your phone or, you know, in physical copy. You need your Bible. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, picking up from where Pastor Zach Rainey left off in March and Acts chapter 2, verse 13, verses. I'm going to invite you to stand for a reading of God's word. We stand simply to recognize these are God's words to us, and we don't take that lightly. And, and so reading in Acts chapter 2, verse 13, verses, Luke, the spirit-inspired author of Acts, he writes, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. So he's talking about the disciples. So they're all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthenians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Pergia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to each other, 
What does this mean? And I'll tell you in advance, that's what we want to answer this morning. What does it mean that the Holy Spirit has come? But others mocking said they were filled with new wine. These are the words of God. You may be seated this morning. So as mentioned, we kicked off Acts in February with the understanding the church is made for movement. It was never meant to sit still. It was never meant to be stationary. It was never meant to be just kept inside one building. The church is made for movement. And where that comes from is Acts 1.8. It says, Jesus says, wait for power and you will go from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. The church was always made for movement. And praise God, we're a part of that because we got to be a part of the ends of the earth message. So we're glad that we're included. But part of what we started in that first message that we kicked off this series with is, is the understanding that Luke, the author of the uh, New Testament book of Luke, he also writes kind of part two in Acts, and, and there was a Holy Spirit-inspired Messiah. Now we've got a Holy Spirit-inspired church in Acts, and, and what he writes, he says, oh, Theophilus, I wrote about what the, the things that Jesus began to do and teach. And it, he began, which means he did not finish, which means we're the continuation of that. So as a church on the move, we continue to do the things that Jesus did, to teach the things that he taught. And that's where we open. And that's what we're trying to do as a church. And, and I'm glad that we can be a part of God's kingdom movement here in Greater Lafayette. We can be a part of God's kingdom movement far around the world. And the question is, are you a part of that? If you're engaged with what's happening here at Connection Point Church, I can tell you, you are a part of that. Isn't it amazing that you can be a part of a move of God? That astonishes me. I'm glad that we can be a part of the move of God and we can do that here and, and you can be a part as you stay connected. And then Pastor Zach Rainey, as uh, I was on that trip in Israel, the next passage that he handled, he showed us how the early church made decisions. This is really important. So Jesus says, I will empower you. And by the way, when you make decisions, here's what we find they did. Number one, they spent time in prayer. Spent time in prayer. How many know prayer is a good thing to make decisions? Absolutely. So we spend time, lots of time in prayer. I hope you've spent lots of time in prayer making decisions for yourself in the last few months. As a church, we've been doing that. We, we gathered for first Friday prayer last Friday. And you, it's from 630 to 10:30. I would encourage you, find a place of personal prayer, but also find a place of corporate prayer. Those first Friday prayers, come and go as you like. The question is, are you praying? I would say it's hard to make wise decisions if you're not. So we make decisions with prayer, but we also make decisions with God's word. God's word and prayer are how we make good decisions. It's how we make decisions as a church. I, I pray it's how you make decisions as a family, those two things. So I encourage you, join us for prayer. And, and now today what we find is the disciples, they've, they've gotten instructions from Jesus. They know they're meant for a movement to continue the works that Jesus began to do and teach and they're making decisions with prayer and God's word and, you know, scripture. And now they're gathered in one place and waiting for power. Waiting for power. They're waiting in Jerusalem for the promise of Holy Spirit baptism. And as promised, the Holy Spirit comes. And now others see and hear this phenomenon. And as I pointed out, they ask this question, what does this mean? And that's a question that we need to answer this morning. What does it mean that the Holy Spirit came? And what our passage shows us is the Holy Spirit coming means we have personal encounters for the sake of public proclamation. You and I, we have personal encounters with God for the purpose of public proclamation. 
Luke, the Holy Spirit-inspired author of Acts, he tells us that on the day of Pentecost, all the disciples were together in one place. And the question is, in what place? In Acts chapter 1, we find the disciples in an upper room deciding who should replace Judas. And then in Acts chapter 2, we find these disciples together in one place again. Now, recent scholarship has proposed the disciples may have been near the temple when the Holy Spirit came. And there's a reason for that, because it says that the house they were at was filled. But if you know anything about Old Testament um, understanding, the temple was always referred to as, almost always, there's only a couple of uh, exceptions to this, always referred to as the house of God. Does anybody know what the Hebrew word is for that? You should. It was the previous name of this church. Bethel. Bethel is, comes from the Hebrew word bet, which means house, and El, which means God. Bethel, the house of God. So we may have changed the name, but I'm here to let you know we're still the house of God. So house of God, that's what the Old Testament's referred to. So some commentators have said, well, we think that maybe the Holy Spirit fell kind of near the temple. But I have a problem with that because Luke does not use the word temple in our passage from this morning. And I know that because he uses that word later. He knows what it is. When you read Acts 2.46, it says day by day. So after these disciples are following Jesus, he's got these followers of him. It says day by day, they were attending the temple together. So New Testament is written in Greek. And the word temple here is eron, which means temple. But the word that Luke uses, and it says the house that they were at was filled, is the Greek word oikos. So it seems, though, that the disciples were in a house near the temple, and we'll point that out next week as to why they were near the temple. But I love that. I love that they were near or in a house near the temple because what happens is they had this encounter with God in a house, and it spilled out into the streets and changed the environment in which they lived. How many know that that should be our experience today? Hey, we couldn't gather in this building for weeks, but does that mean you could not meet with God? Absolutely not. You can meet with God here. Yes, you can meet with God in your home. And your encounters with God in your home should spill out into the streets of your neighborhood, into the streets of the greater Lafayette area, and change people's lives. Your personal encounters with God, be that in your home, be that in your workplace, be that in this building, are meant to then turn into public proclamations of the glory of God. It's meant to be that way. I want to show you, so I like to give you visuals to help you kind of get a picture of, of these things. So one of the things that you can see if you go to visit Israel is they have this uh, Jerusalem model. It's, it's huge. It's at the Israel Museum, and it gives you an understanding. So you can see the temple. You go south, and there's those steps that we were standing on with our team. I'm the cameraman. That's why it's shaky. Andrew was not with me. And so we've got the temple. You've got the south steps. Can you see all of those houses over there to the left? I really believe they were in some houses off to the left. Man, did that make you dizzy? <laughs> made me dizzy. So they were in those houses. They experienced the Holy Spirit. It spills into the streets, and they head to those south steps to hear Peter's message. So that's what we're talking about. Where were they? They were in one place, gathered together, seeking the Lord, and incredible things happen. Because here's what we read about in verse 14. After the Holy Spirit comes, but Peter... Standing with the 11, because all of these people are asking questions. What has happened? What, is, what does this mean? And he lifts up his voice and addresses them. This is in Acts 2.14. He says, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. So Peter, 
his personal encounter led to public proclamation. And what was the result? We read in verse 41, those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Is that not incredible? 3,000 people because Peter had an experience with Jesus. He'd walked with the resurrected Lord for 40 days and then he receives a baptism of the Holy Spirit. His life is different because I want to remind you, 50 days before this event, Peter denies even knowing Jesus. Three times, he denies knowing Jesus to a middle school girl. Now I get it, middle school girls are scary. But come on, Peter. This guy wouldn't even admit to knowing Jesus to a middle school girl. And now he's preaching to thousands. How many think he encountered Jesus? How many think Holy Spirit empowerment does something to change your life? Your personal encounter, at least a public proclamation. So my question this morning is, have you encountered Jesus? It starts there. Have you encountered the risen Lord? Have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? If your answer is yes, then you should be having personal encounters that lead to public proclamation. If your answer is no, then may you experience him today. May you be baptized today and be forever changed. Because the Holy Spirit coming means we have personal encounters for the sake of public proclamations. The second thing we find is the Holy Spirit coming means people can experience a new exodus. I love this. Holy Spirit coming means people can experience a new exodus. There's actually a lot going on in this passage, and it, it helps you to know all of Scripture to understand the significance of what's happening in Acts chapter 2. It's important to understand what the Feast of Pentecost is all about. You know, we know the word Pentecost, we know the word Pentecostal, but sometimes we forget that that was actually a feast, a celebration that continues today when our family lived in Jerusalem. That annual feast would come around, the Feast of Pentecost. And so the question is, what do they celebrate during this feast? They celebrate two things. The first is the end of the spring harvest. Look, we've got a lot of farmers here. Is it not worth celebrating when harvest comes in? Absolutely. So they celebrate that. But they also celebrate in this feast the giving of the law or Moses coming down from Mount Sinai with tablets. Basically, it's a feast where Jews would say, God, thank you for the harvest and thank you for the law. And this is important because when the Holy Spirit came, there was wind and fire in the house where the disciples were. And so then the question this morning is, where else in the Bible do we hear about noise and fire from God? Maybe you've never thought about this. It's actually on Mount Sinai. On a feast that celebrates the giving of the law, we have a similar setting to what we find on Mount Sinai. I'm going to read from Exodus chapter 19, verses 16 through 20. It says, on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. So the Israelites have been freed from slavery. They have this exodus occurring. And now they're at Mount Sinai and God is speaking to the people. And here's what we read about. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. Here we go. We've got fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of the kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The setting of Mount Sinai is a similar New Testament setting for us with the Holy Spirit coming. And during a feast that celebrates the giving of the law, the Holy Spirit shows up in sound and fire in order to bring about a new exodus for God's people. 
We talked about this before when we talked about the gospel, the good news that Jesus came, that Jesus came to defeat sin, death, and the devil. Paul writes to believers in Rome. He says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. How many are happy sin no longer has power over us in Jesus? We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. This is a new exodus that we're invited into. Romans chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. So welcome to our new exodus. You are no longer a slave to sin. Jesus has set you free. And he's meant to set you free forever. And he sent the Holy Spirit in exodus-like fashion to prove it. With the Holy Spirit active in our lives, we have a foretaste of our heavenly life. We wage war against sin in this life. But the Holy Spirit can help us find the victory that Jesus died for. Jesus provided victory for us over those things that want to put us in bondage. The Holy Spirit coming from heaven with the sound of a mighty rushing wind and tongues of fire was a way of signaling a new exodus for God's people in the world. Aren't we happy for that new exodus? I'm thankful for it, God. The Holy Spirit comes to give you the power to live free so that you might experience freedom from slavery to sin. So have you experienced the freedom Jesus came to bring? It's kind of tied to have you encountered Jesus because if you haven't, you can't live in that freedom. I would encourage you, seek Jesus and Holy Spirit baptism today because it's a new exodus for you. The Holy Spirit coming means people can experience a new exodus. And the Holy Spirit coming means created order is restored. I'll tell you what, this point for me this morning is so incredibly important, so applicable to the time we're living in. How many realize things are a bit disorderly right now? If you haven't realized that, wake up, things are a little bit disorderly right now, right? And what I love about this, this point as we look at what Holy Spirit coming means, created order is restored in the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but early on I wondered, why in the world would God choose such a controversial sign, speaking in tongues, to confirm Holy Spirit baptism? I mean, really, God? Speaking in tongues? Anybody ever wonder about that? I did. I'm like, what? why did he choose that? And there's actually a lot of reasons we find in Scripture. We read in the New Testament book of James, in James chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. James wrote his letter to believers and told them that they had trouble controlling their tongues. What could better demonstrate a new spiritual empowering than our tongues, previously a restless evil, suddenly being under the influence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit actually creates order in our speech. And we'll see this as we talk about Peter's speech next week. Another clue as to the why of tongues is tied to the why of Holy Spirit baptism. In essence, Holy Spirit baptism is all about God directing our speech in new and wonderful ways so that we can share the gospel. Remember the the video in the Great Awakening series, we talked about the gospel and it, the euangelion, and, and there was these sound waves going in people's ears, and then it was, you know, um, going out of their mouths, because it's meant to be this thing that carries forward. That's what Holy Spirit baptism is all about, that we continue to do and teach what Jesus did to actually share in words, and we'll see that Peter does this. After receiving spirit baptism, Peter's a great example, this fisherman, who again, I shared, he formerly denied Jesus, he's empowered to speak and publicly changed thousands of lives. 
Holy Spirit baptism is all about God directing and empowering our speech. It's about bringing order to our words. But we can also see how speaking in tongues and acts is the reversal of Babel. I don't know if you've ever made this link before. I was going through this message late last night, and this one really struck me. And the Spirit of God said, you need to ask people, have you been living in the last few months in Babel or in Jerusalem? And here's the difference. People living in Babel, there's disunity there. There's confusion there. They're trying to accomplish things by their own human effort. But people who are living in Jerusalem in Acts 2, they wait on God for his power. And then we'll find that they then live in incredible unity and harmony with others. Where have you been the last few months? Babel or Jerusalem? I hope that you're starting to choose Jerusalem. And if you, you haven't, may you go there today. And I want to point this out in here. Genesis chapter 11. Here's where we read about Babel. Now the whole earth had one language in the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had bricks for stone and butamen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower from its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves. Again, human effort here. Lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. In the New Testament, we find that Paul writes to a mentee of his, Timothy, and he tells in that speech, void of the Spirit. So without the Spirit, speech is worldly fables, empty chatter, and it spreads like cancer. In other words, babble. So if you have Spirit-empowered speech, it should bring unity and harmony. When you have non-spirit-empowered speech, it's like Babel. And here's the outcomes of the Tower of Babel. The people moved east to a plain in the land of Shinar in disobedience to God. They attempted to reach greatness using man-made materials and individual efforts. Their actions led to disunity and confusion. So that's Babel. But now in Jerusalem, look at Acts 2. Instead of moving in disobedience to God, the followers of Jesus stayed in Jerusalem in obedience to what Jesus asked. Instead of seeking greatness by human effort, the disciples waited for the promise of the Father, divine power. And instead of disunity and confusion, the disciples' actions led to unity and harmony. They were declaring the mighty works of God. So where have you found yourselves here lately? Have you been more in Babel or more in Jerusalem? We're meant to live orderly lives by the Spirit of God. And you can receive that this morning. And that would be what I'd put before you. Jesus desires to restore order to your life through Holy Spirit baptism. Jesus desires to bring unity to our church through Holy Spirit baptism. If your life seems out of control, if you are, uh, struggle living in right relationships with others, could it be because you've yet to ask Jesus to be baptized in his Holy Spirit? I would encourage you, seek Jesus for that today. We'll leave room for that at the end of the message. The Holy Spirit coming means created order is restored. And the last thing we find is the Holy Spirit coming means we are granted life and freedom. We're granted life and freedom with the Holy Spirit. So I want to come back to the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. The, the Feast of Pentecost celebrates the giving of the law. But the problem is 
part of the events around the giving of the law, it's difficult to read. Look at Exodus chapter 32. It says, As soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered it on the water and made the people of Israel drink it. So what happens is while Moses is on the mountain receiving the law, the Ten Commandments, the people of Israel made an idol, a a golden calf to worship instead of God. Isn't that crazy? They'd just been set free and they're putting themselves back in bondage. And so Moses comes down from the mountain with the law in hand and he finds the people worshiping this idol. And here's what happens in, in 32 as we continue. When Moses saw that the people had broken loose, for Aaron had let them break loose to the derision of their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered around him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Put your sword on the side of each of you and go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp. And each of you kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. In that day, about 3,000 men of the people died. That's what it says in scripture. 3,000 died that day. It's no coincidence that 1,400 years later, on the day that people are remembering the law and the death of 3,000 people, that 3,000 people on the day of the Spirit of God coming experience new life. Where the law brought death, the Holy Spirit brings life. And we should rejoice in that today. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians about these events. Has, and he writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, He has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws, Mount Sinai, but of the Spirit, Acts 2. The old written covenant ends in death. 3,000 died. Under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. 3,000 are saved. Isn't that amazing? He writes it later in the same chapter, For the Lord is the Spirit. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord, there is what? Freedom. The Holy Spirit comings mean we've been granted new life and freedom. Are you living in that today? Or are you bound in fear, anxiousness, and worry? It is the Spirit of God and believers today that should cause you to stand out with your neighbors and colleagues. It's the Spirit of God that grants believers the ability to live fearless and free lives. It's the Spirit of God who's here today ready to meet with you to set you free from anything that holds you in bondage. And why? Because we are encouraged to pray in the Spirit, preach in the Spirit, worship in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. And we're to continually be filled with the Spirit, it says. And this is what we see in the book of Acts, believers who are full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. So I would ask you this morning, does that describe you in the last several months? Have you been a person full of faith and full of the Spirit? If not, how about we seek that today? It's a great reason to gather in this place that we can corporately gather and say, Jesus, help us be those people, people who are full of faith and full of the Spirit, and they got to see their world turned upside down. If you're lacking in faith, ask Jesus to fill or refill you with his Spirit today. So if you've never been filled with the Spirit, ask for it today. If you've been filled, ask for a refilling. We see that all throughout Acts. Because the Spirit brings life and freedom. The Holy Spirit coming was and is a mighty work of God. The Holy Spirit brings order out of chaos and life-giving freedom instead of death. 
So I'd like us as we close to, to seek more of God together this morning. I'm going to invite you to stand and the music team's going to come back. And as you're standing, I'd, I'd like to ask, are you here today and you realize you don't know Jesus, the Holy Spirit baptizer, but now today you'd like to make a decision to follow Jesus and ask you to give you life and life to the full. Is that where you find yourself today? Because right now you can make a decision to follow Jesus and live an abundant life. I want to invite you to that. To be changed, you have to encounter Jesus. So with every head bowed and every eye, eye closed, I would just ask, who here today says, I want to follow Jesus. I want to give him my life. I, I want to be set free by him. He's the only one that can do it. And do it in a way that lasts. Simply raise your hand. And I just want to pray with you before we close in song today. Anybody here that would say that's me? Who here today would say, that's me. I want to encounter Jesus. I want to be set free by him today. I've been struggling with worry, with anxiousness, fear. I don't want to struggle with that anymore. I pray for each and every one in this room. I pray, Lord, that you would change their lives as they call out to you. I pray that they would encounter you and be changed forever. I pray that you'd set people free today as we close in song, as we seek to encounter you in a fresh way today and, and seek your Holy Spirit baptism to be filled or refilled. I pray, Jesus, that, that you would do that work today. Help us to live in you, God. Jesus, I thank you for the way that you meet us. I thank you that you are our resurrected Lord. And so, Lord, I pray that you would display your resurrection power in us today. And Lord, we commit this time to you. It's yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what I want to do, the, the music team is here really just to provide an environment for us to seek the Lord together. So it's really not us trying to just close and sing in a song. I actually want to lead us to a place of encounter, looking at six things. Number one, I want us to simply begin to ask Jesus for a fresh cleansing from any unconfessed sin. Let's make sure we've got nothing that holds us back from encountering him. Jesus, I, I just, and confess that to him. He already knows it. So why not release it to him? That's part of how you get set free. Second thing, then just begin to express your dependence on Jesus, that Jesus, I need you. My prayer as a pastor has been in the last couple of months, Lord, I pray that in the work you're doing, you reveal that people need you, that may they come to the end of themselves and realize I'm not enough. And so Jesus, I need you just to begin to express that. Third thing, simply ask Jesus to baptize you. He is our Holy Spirit baptizer. So Jesus, baptize me with your Holy Spirit. Jesus says he gives good gifts, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So ask for that gift this morning. And then open your mouth and just begin to praise Jesus. Jesus, we worship you. Just begin to praise him. And then as the Holy Spirit comes upon you, there's just something different. And when that different happens, you know, as you learn a language, you'll notice that babies, when they're born, they don't come out speaking. They'll communicate, but language is language. And so what happens is, is the Lord gives you language, but then you have to utter it. The Holy Spirit doesn't come and grab your tongue and jiggle it. That would be weird. God's really not weird, but he does want to come into your life and change you. And so he'll give you what the utterance is, but then you have to speak that and surrender your life to Jesus, surrender your speech to Jesus, and just begin to, to speak those things which the Holy Spirit deposits in your life. And then as that happens, then just thank him. Thank you, Jesus, for baptizing me in the Holy Spirit. 
And guess what? What I love about this Acts 2 setting, there's, you know, other incidences of, of people being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And, and this is a case where they just were in a house. And so we're in a house today. We're in the house of God. And it says the Holy Spirit descended. So we're just asking the Holy Spirit, come and fill your life today as we, as we close. So they're going to sing, but I actually want you to walk through these six things and let's just encounter Jesus together. So let's do that. <laughs> 